Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to talk about 16.4 for iOS. It is imminent, probably coming Tuesday, March 28th. New leaked images of the iPhone 15 Pro, one change I am not happy about. We're going to discuss that. We might get into some AI stuff and switch my email provider like at midnight the other night. And so we're going to talk about that too. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc, where you can find and book a top-rated doctor today using their free app, Fast Growing Trees, where you can buy stuff for your home and collide. And joining me this week is my friend across the pond, who I haven't talked to in weeks, William Gallagher. How's it going? Uh, It's frantic over here. I'm trying to grab all my favorite TikTok videos and save them before the world (laughs) caves in. Are Are you scrolling TikTok, William? I need to know. Are you scrolling there? Funny enough, BBC here in the UK suddenly started adopting TikTok and they were pushing it quite hard. And then they stopped mentioning it. And now recently they've banned it from staff uh, iPhones. The only thing is, uh, unless you're actually working on TikTok for the BBC, and a lot of journalists are, the BBC channel continues, the staff weren't able to install TikTok in the end. Mm. So how much of this is show and how much of it is real, I don't know. But if the BBC doesn't support TikTok, well, I'm getting Now, listen, no. I... mm. we're going to talk about TikTok. We're going to talk about TikTok <laughs> later. I- I'm in there. I'm scrolling on the TikTok. I'm seeing funny videos. I'm learning things. Are you seeing dancing twerking schoolgirls, which is no every time i've tried it that's the first thing it's shown me i mean before i've done anything else that's what i get and it's deeply uncomfortable and i go away the algorithm just knows what you want to see right from the first video that's the problem i'm seeing cool film videos and gear and funny videos right. with dogs no, 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 no. Let's just back up a bit. What could possibly trigger this? What? Google search. Have I ever... No, I don't want to think about that. Yes, anyway, no, yes. yes. Uh, no. I'm just kidding. Yes. No, no. Um, Listen, I am not uh, <laughs> implying anything about your internet activity, William. I will say TikTok does try to put things in front of you, like a variety of things to see what you watch, how many times it loops, everything like that. So it is very quick to trigger the algorithm, but it's not like the first time you open the app, it knows what you want to see. So in all seriousness, both times it was literally the first image was a deeply uncomfortable uh, thing with it. And that's that's scary, I thought. So it is unfortunate. I will say in order to train your TikTok algorithm, especially if you sign up as a male, it is going to try to show you things. You have to tap and hold on the video and you say not interested in this. And so like there is a mechanism where you could say like, don't show me videos like this. And if you do that a couple of times, like it does retrain itself and it stops showing you that. And then you can see like what my algorithm shows you, which is like tech videos, how to film things, cool lighting stuff. Uh, You're on there. No, I'm just kidding. I've never seen you on there. Uh, I was I was hoping for some like paparazzi style footage of William walking down the street, but I didn't get any of that. Uh, no, I've managed to. Uh, there's a thing in the UK called a D notice where we're able to stop all publication of certain things, but I'm not oh. supposed to talk about it. So. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. We won't get. All right. Anyway, we'll talk about TikTok a little bit later when we talk about U.S. law and big tech or whatever. A short segment at the end. But anyway, two five star reviews. Just want to thank Stuffing Z from Great Britain and Ben Cook. In the United Kingdom, he just discovered the Apple Insider podcast last month. So thank you for those five-star reviews. The Ben Cook from Great... Oh, right. Excellent. Okay. We're in... Yeah. Yeah. Listen, two, both... Yeah. Both five-star reviewers this week are from your neck of the woods. So you guys, you guys got it going on. Let's talk about iOS 16.4, William, because the release candidate went out to developers. If you're on that beta train, you're probably using the release candidate right now. I am pretty certain. Now, I'm not a leaker, as you know, William. But I would say with like 98% surety, assurance, that iOS 16.4 is going to release 
this Tuesday, March 28th. You know how I know that, William? Because that is when Apple Music Classical has been officially announced to launch. That is when Sonos has announced that spatial audio is coming to the Sonos app. Uh, Also, the Sonos era speakers are coming on Tuesday. So I feel like 98% sure 16.4 will be publicly available Tuesday, March 8th. Well, if you're going to base things on evidence, I mean, come on. (laughs) I know you're all about the Apple car uh, shooting in the wind, but I I think we're going to see it on Tuesday. I'm very excited to play around with Apple Music Classical. Yeah, me too. I've not actually talked to you about it because it came out the week I was gone. You and Wes talked about it. I talked about it again because I yes. can't shut up about it. What do you think about Apple Music Classical? I'm thrilled that it's coming. Uh, I mean, compared to you, I'm, I'm nothing of a classical music uh, listener, but I'm in Birmingham where we have the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, Mahler's one of my favorites. I I'm, I'm will be going in yes. partly from a technical thing to see how have they figured out the search of what sounds like quite complicated, but also just to have a good old relish yes. in there. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm very excited to see how search and browse work and what other differences there are between that and the main Apple Music app. I'm also curious, like, if I want to listen to Apple Music Classical in that experience on things not being airplayed to, how easy is that? Again, the app is only coming to iPhone, supposedly, not iPad or Mac, which is somewhat unfortunate. And also, like, Mm. I don't know how the Sonos app would interact with Apple Music Classical or, like, if AirPlay actually does Dolby Atmos audio to a pair of Sonos speakers. I'm not sure. So we're going to test all of that. But we'll definitely talk about it in depth on the next episode because I'm very excited about that. Now, some of the internal like code leaks someone has found. This is developer Aaron on Twitter. Sorry, Shrimp Apple Pro had the iPhone 15 Pro images we'll get to in a second. But he says supposedly new AirPods models are listed in the 16.4 release candidate software. Now, I'm very curious if there are actually new AirPods coming close to the 16.4 release or even as soon as next week. I don't know what AirPods it would be. I mean, it feels like AirPods 3 came out fairly recently, like within the last year, maybe it's a little, a year and a half ago. AirPods Pro 2 are pretty recent. I don't think AirPods Max 2 would come now. Supposedly there's an AirPods case along in the 16.4 code that might be released along with these AirPods. I don't think there's going to be a case for the AirPods Max, but I don't know. Do you think there's going to be new AirPods? Well, I read the same thing. You did the code references, but all I see are the numbers. Why don't you think an AirPod Max is possible? I don't think. If they're going to release a new model AirPods Max, I feel like it was. it's going to have USB-C. I mean, the iPhone is going to have USB-C most likely this year. I don't think they would release another lightning connector AirPods Max. Yeah. And I also don't think they would release a USB-C AirPods Max without an iPhone with USB-C. Yeah. Because still, even the AirPods Pro that just launched is lightning. And I feel like the AirPod connectivity and connection port is tied to what the iPhone is. So I feel like AirPods Max 2 is more like a like winter release, like right before the holidays after we get a USB-C iPhone. And because there's a case also included in the code, I mean, uh, unless they're talking about that lingerie style AirPods Max case that comes with it, I don't know what kind of case would require a... Uh, model number so no the bra shaped one that's exactly what it was okay. uh, i was just trying to work out was there any intelligence in that and there was wasn't there it puts it to sleep put it to sleep that's the phrase i'm looking for it's just the fact that it seems to be coming around the same time as apple music classical there's no possibility of a version of max oh. that could do it is there you might have just changed my mind slightly that would make sense especially if there was some kind of high fidelity audio codec that would allow a new pair of AirPods Max to have full-on Dolby Atmos or lossless 
from an iPhone to an AirPods Max. So that that is a very curious theory, William. Well, we'll have uh, to see. Something less than a theory. Not even a hunch. What's between a hunch and a theory? Uh, an intuition. Um, nothing. A, uh... Okay. An intuition. Uh, no. Not even that. Nothing sparking it. It's purely the coincidence of the dates that's making me wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm curious. I'm also very hopeful, at least, that 16.4 will be the version of iOS 16 that fixes all the bugs. There's so many bugs, William. I don't know if you experience this, but I have family members asking me, how come my iPhone keeps shutting off? How come I keep seeing a black screen? Why is this broken? I mean, it has been bad. I mean, I know everybody's mileage may vary, but how's the bug situation been for you on 16.3? Well, mostly fine, except I think I'm I'm now wondering if it's not... I had a thing where I wondered if I was going mad because I, I did a certain shortcut that required you to say, don't ask me before running it, and it seemed to be fine. I told other people, they said, that option doesn't exist for this particular oh, type of yeah. function. When I went back well, to check to go, no, ha look, they were right and I was wrong, but it worked for me. And I don't know whether I've just mixed in a, a developer... <laughs> update that happened to change that or something (laughs) or i've gone mad and you're looking at me like clearly i've just gone mad so thanks that's really helpful it has been weird and i will say very sure that this is not just my experience because people on social media have reached out screen time which i use a lot screen time because i have multiple children with multiple devices requesting to download apps requesting time on certain apps screen time is terrible in 16 ios 16 Like it is so, so bad in iOS 16. On the Mac, no request is able to be approved. Like it just doesn't work. And they changed this in iOS 16 where screen time requests, they used to live in the settings app, which was kind of annoying to get to, but you could always approve like 15 minutes or an hour from the notifications. And so as long as I did that, even from my Apple Watch, it always went through, it was solid, no problem. They moved screen time requests from the settings portion two messages. One, I'm sorry. I know that I don't use that kind of strong language on this show uh, typically, but I'm pretty upset. This is a family show, but even so, I think you can get away with that one. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what, I'll bleep, I'll censor bleep it out and I'll let our listeners guess what word I said. It was nowhere near as vulgar as you assume. You could bleep this (laughs) way because obviously the thing is that it's (laughs) <laughs> don't you so yes it's a line from the simpsons actually but i love that line <laughs> that's, that's pretty good i have to beep it i'll bleep it all out but that is pretty great i'll tell you what in in the in the exclusive uh early release version of this podcast which you can either support us at patreon.com slash apple insider or directly in apple podcast for just five dollars a month you get the ad-free version and i won't bleep the words we said and so just those who support the show will know the words that William and I say. Is this going to affect when I join some other social media platform now? I'm going to be listed as the guy who swears on the Apple Insider podcast. And now <laughs> Yes, more, you yeah. are the... Okay. You're going to have an explicit tag on the episodes that you're on. That's exactly... That's, that's what's going to happen. No, so, so screen time requests have moved to messages. A, it does this weird thing now where because both my wife and I our parents in the iCloud family and we can both approve requests. Any request gets sent to this like weird group message. Mm. So the requests come through a group message between my son, my wife, and myself. And it it's just weird. Like it muddies up the group text and I don't like the notifications there. Like it's weird. And then the request, you can see it in messages like on the Mac, but you can't approve it. There's no little drop down to approve it. It just doesn't work. 
If I try to approve it from the notification, it doesn't go through. The only place I, it really works, it doesn't work on the Apple Watch anymore. I have to do it on the iPhone. And most of the time, it takes two tries. Like anytime I need to add 15 minutes or an hour of time to an app because one of my kids have requested it, it takes like multiple tries, like at least two. And it's super annoying. And I hope 16.4 fixes. And that's all I have to say. Why don't you just tell your kid, tough, that's it, it's over. Here's a football. <laughs> well, There's the outside. That's usually, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's usually what happens is like, sorry, I can't. And you, you can approve on device. But like the whole point of screen time is so you can adjust these settings. And also, anytime I've needed to add a website to my child's screen time Safari browsing because I want them to be able to see hmm. a website, like it doesn't work. Like it just doesn't sync over the cloud. I have to do it manually on their device. Like it is bad. So 16.4 has been super buggy, especially when it comes to screen time. So I'm just really hoping that this fixes it, maybe finally. But anyway, iOS 16.4, we'll probably see it Tuesday. Apple Music Classical, expect a long segment on the next episode because I'm very excited for that. So do you expect that that's when we'll also see uh, Mac OS Ventura 13.3? Yeah, I think it'll all come out because the release candidate was for all the things. That's true. For all the things. And this also is the HomeKit architecture update. Yeah. Coming again to iOS, which, you know, how's your HomeKit doing? I know you were uh, having some trouble there. I'm getting there slowly. Okay. I got uh, to okay. a stage a couple of weeks ago, just before you went away, actually, where everything that was connected was working. Okay. I'm going to leave it alone now for a bit, but I need to put the cameras back in. I need to add, I've forgotten what else I had. I suppose I've forgotten it. I didn't use it, so I don't need it. But yes, it's not been... A fulsome experience. Oh, HomeKit. Yeah, my HomeKit problems came from changing Wi-Fi and also I had a problem with Apple IDs and the Apple ID problem is still going on. I resubscribed to Netflix recently and it's not listed under my subscriptions under any of my Apple IDs, but they still manage to take the money like they expect to. So something is very strange there, yes. Maybe it'll be fixed on Tuesday. Uh, well, well, yeah, we'll see. Again, I'm telling you, bugs. It's been weird. Wasn't it a thing in uh, one of the Star Trek rooms, Star Trek Generations, I think, the new Enterprise, they didn't have tractor beams. They're being installed on Thursday, I think it was. That's it. It's always next week <laughs> when these things are coming. So <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, we'll get it next time. This episode is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Guys, I love when the sponsor comes around because I've used them in the past and I'm ordering things from them right now. And I love breathing life into my own backyard and around my house with fast growing trees. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com this spring. You can get everything from shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty in your yard. So let fastgrowingtrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. One of my favorite things is actually getting plants and planting them with food that you can then eat. Me and my son, we like to eat some hot stuff. And we had actually gotten a Carolina Reaper pepper plant. You can actually get the plant, put it in your yard, you can keep it in the pot or move it into the dirt. And then it grows Carolina Reapers and you can take those peppers off. We actually put them in some fajitas and it's so much fun. And they even have pear trees, persimmon trees, all kinds of fruit trees and shade trees. And it's all shipped to your door. Fastgrowingtrees.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy to grow plant, shrub and tree varieties for your unique climate. They actually put in where you're located in the US and you'll be able to get a tree or plant that matches your location that will grow in your environment. Everything from Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. Sometimes it's hard to know which plants will do the best in your environment, but that's not a problem because fastgrowingtrees.com you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs. Plus, their plant experts are always available to keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. No more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online 
and your plant arrives at your door in just a few days. And with Fast Growing Trees 30-Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. And you don't have to go to those hardware stores, put plants in your car, get that dirt everywhere. No more. Have it delivered right to your door. Join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers, including me. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider. And that link is also in the episode description. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring this episode. All right, so I have to talk about these iPhone 15 Pro images. This was Shrimp Apple Pro yes. on Twitter. He has some... Sorry, it's the name, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Oh, I know. It's it. That name is it's hilarious. So these new images of the iPhone 15 Pro. I'm going to do the feature rundown in a second, like all the rumors put together, what we expect to see. But these images got me upset, William. Oh. And I'll tell you why. Supposedly, yes, it has USB-C. We see that, most likely. The mute switch on the side of the phone that has been the same since the original iPhone. Flip it down. You're on silent. Flip it up. You hear the ring. It might change to a button. Or maybe not even a physical button, but some kind of like haptic button or something. And if that happens, again, this is not for sure. This is Shrimp Apple Pro with some leaked cat image on Twitter. But if that changes from a physical toggle switch, I'm not going to be happy, William. For many years, I feel like that has been one of the mm. unique things about the iPhone, even opposed to like all these Android phones. That mute switch, A, pretty fun to just fidget with if you're like bored yes. or whatever. Like I've just flipped it back and forth a lot of times. But also like just being able to glance at my the side of my phone, like right now, because I'm recording a podcast and I want to make sure my phone is on silent, just being able to glance down and see that little orange line and know that my phone is on mute to not have that kind of visual and tactile mute switch. I don't know. I, I'm I don't I'm not gonna I don't think I'm gonna be crazy about losing that. What do you think, William? I'm exactly with you. Actually, I I remember right at the start in 2007 seeing that thinking that's the way it should be. And yet again, Apple's thought it through. That's and it. Actually, I do also remember a relative handing me the phone saying, it doesn't make a ring. It doesn't make a ring. They handed it to me, put it in my hand, and I immediately handed it back and it was ringing because they'd flicked the switch. So maybe it's not obvious to everybody, but it's obvious to us now, all these years later. And it's brilliant. I'm sure it'll be fine. I know. I just, you're saying that it might not be an actual button. Like it could be this haptic thing. I get why replacing real buttons with haptic ones means that the 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 casing more waterproof but this is whacking big hole at the bottom sure. with USB-C or lightning or something it's letting water in there <laughs> right i mean i i get i mean they're pretty waterproof right now i know apple doesn't say waterproof it's water resistant up to a certain amount of feet or meters or whatever but i've dunked my iphone underwater multiple times i actually did it to record the apple watch ultra like depth hmm. screen and my phone was like underwater recording video, never have had an issue. Now, I know water resistance can decrease over time depending on sealing and all that kind of stuff. But this mute switch, it's just such a tactile, firm, like I just love the feeling of that mute switch. And again, maybe there'll be some visual distinction. If it's a physical button that actually presses in and out, I guess they could do something where you see a little splash of color when it is pressed in as opposed to depressed. I, I would be sad to lose that toggle switch. I, I just... I think it's a great feature of the hardware feature of the phone. 
And I would have been good with that being like that forever. But but hang on, this is specifically the iPhone 15 Pro, not the regular iPhone 15, right? Supposedly. In which case, the iPhone 15 Pro will have an always-on screen. So perhaps it could have an on-screen right. indicator. Although you wouldn't want that interrupting yeah. things, would you? So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you have always-on display, which I'm going to be honest, I don't have always-on display enabled. I've turned that off. I might change it depending on focus mode. That's one of the changes in iOS 16.4 is you can actually decide whether you want always-on enabled for a focus mode or disabled. But I've kept mine off. Uh, I don't care for it. I'm expecting to to like it a lot. I just Ever since always-on was available and I didn't buy an iPhone 14 Pro, I just seem to be very conscious of how many times I pick up my phone to tap the screen to see something on it. And the fact I've not been... I was... Uh, live actions and things live activities rather i've just been able to glance and see that straight away i am expecting when i buy my 15 pro unless the rumors of the price being incredibly <laughs> higher are then i will look forward to always on and i will cherish it yeah and i will look after it properly that was going to be my next question if you were going to be upgrading but i knew you didn't update to the 14 pro so mm. i figured this was this was it yes although i did hear those rumors that the price would be dramatically more and of course i'm outside the us this year and the apple made quite a big thing of keeping the price the same for the us and didn't mention that it was raising it everywhere else so um will they do the same thing mm. raise it more outside the states what price is a price that will make me not upgrade well and also the iphone 15 pro max which i tweeted the other day and i posted on mastodon i have not done the max ever i did it for like one week with the iphone 10s max that was the first max size phone i tried it it felt too big my pinky felt like it was like straining just trying to hold the phone up with my hand and so i have not tried a max phone since but I will say the 14 Pro, the battery life has been a little abysmal. Like it has not oh. been great. I've had to charge it uh, throughout the day, some most days, like it won't last till the very end of the day. And so I've seen a lot of battery reports on social media where people also feel like it's not great. So battery life is one. But because I'm also, I'm working from home now, I'm not out and about walking around as much. I think I might like a little bigger screen for how much I'm on the phone and how much I do on the phone. If I'm sitting out on the patio and I don't want to bring my iPad, maybe that little larger screen would be nice. And so I don't know, I'm thinking actually about the Pro Max in this 15 cycle. Would you ever be tempted by the Pro Max? Not anymore. I, I had the 10s Max and I thought it was wonderful and I liked it immensely. But then I, the 11 Pro was the next one I had and I loved that. The difference seemed so big for me in the smaller size, if you see what I mean. I just preferred it so much I wouldn't go back. But you're worrying me there about yeah. battery because I, even though I didn't buy the 14 Pro, last night I was considering getting one because of uh, I presume the battery was better and there's a thing going on where I could do with an extra battery life for it. But now you may have just saved me no. uh, quite a lot of money there. So thank you very much. Buy, buy the uh, Apple MagSafe battery pack. Don't get a 14 Pro. Actually... I'll just buy two iPhone 13s and, and stick them together. Oh, you could do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, sure. We have a solution. Sure. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, there you go. No problem. I would, I would be curious. Reverse wireless charging has been rumored the last like four years. I would be curious if that comes with the 15 Pro. Mm. Like put your AirPods on the back of the phone, give it a little charge. Yeah, but that means putting the, uh, the glass face down and that I, I tend to resist that. Because I'm careful of my gear. You're an okay You're guy. not, you see. So, yes. <laughs> I have hit my Apple Watch so many times on no, my kitchen no. counter and doorframe now. My Apple Watch Ultra, it's got 
noticeable yeah. dings. It's got noticeable dings. And I think of you every time I hit it on a door frame. The other day I twitched for no reason. And I thought Stevens just cracked his watch. Oh, that's yeah. it. <laughs> okay. I, I just hit it on another door frame. The screen is still pristine. The display has no scratches or marks of any kind on it. So, you know, kudos to the screen part. But yeah, the titanium definitely has some nicks. All the door frames, uh, they're my arch nemesis. I think you should be forced to move to Android. You do not take care of your Apple device. You put your phone underwater. You smash into door frames. It's just wrong. Now, listen, now listen here. I have not broken an iPhone screen since the iPhone XS, I think. That is the only time I've dropped an iPhone and cracked and broken the screen. And I had to do Apple care like that week because it was right before the iPhone 11 was coming out. Yeah, right. But I, I don't, I take care of my stuff, William. And I get Apple care on all this stuff. Hmm. Okay. I take care of it. Hmm. I don't, I don't like this accusation. <laughs> you're, but you're still a no case guy, right? You're walking around there with a naked iPhone. Yes, that's true. That is me. And I have no scratches, no mark. I have the aluminum uh, Apple watch and I don't have this, I don't have a pixel of a dust scratch on it compared to you and i don't know what's going on here we need to get i think this is a cry for help william you're all right you're but you're better than me you're just better than me william i'll just i'll just admit it you are better <laughs> that's let, quickest way to end this conversation okay all right <laughs> <laughs> you're just better that's it's fine mm -hmm. I, I admit it now listen here are the feature rundown of the iPhone 15 Pro, all the rumored features. A17 chip, new chip, pretty obvious. Titanium frame. This has been rumored the last couple of years, but it looks like the iPhone 15 Pro will get a titanium frame instead of stainless steel. Ultra thin curved bezels. So smaller bezels, even than smaller than the 14 Pro and curved around the edge. USB-C port on the bottom, no lightning. Wi-Fi 6E, which that seems pretty sure. I mean, the M2 iPad Pro has 6E. The new M2 MacBook Pros and stuff have 6E. Increased RAM. Those solid state buttons, which we'll have to see like volume may not depress, might just be haptic. The mute button might not be a switch anymore. That might turn into a button and improved LiDAR scanner, which who knows what that thing does anyway. No, I know <sighs> what that does. It does all the AR stuff and portrait photography, cinematic mode. I know what they, I know what the LiDAR does. But you don't use it. Well, it kind of, it gets used without you knowing. Like if you're going to do probably cinematic video or if you're doing some kind of like AR, how does the sofa look in my room? That all uses the LiDAR. I know what that's about. I went on holiday, or this is two years ago now, I can't believe it's that long, to a place called Hill House in Scotland, which is this gorgeous Charles Rennie Macintosh designed house. I've suddenly blanked on that. But the whole house is actually enveloped in a screen uh, to protect it because there's some problems with it. And it means you can literally walk up and over the house so you can see every detail of this gorgeous. And on the inside of the house, I took LiDAR shots of various significant rooms. Ages, and I've never looked at them since, but it was deeply impressive being able to walk away with a LiDAR scan. And in fact, I should look at them again now. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, there you go. Very cool. I will also say a cool use of LiDAR, if you didn't know, the Measure app on your iPhone, you have an iPhone with LiDAR. I do this to measure the height of my kids as they are all growing very fast now, it seems. If you point the Measure app at a person, give the phone a second, it will detect that a person is standing there. It will literally measure the person's height and give you a little line to measure their height so it goes to the top of their head all just using the lidar scanner and it's pretty accurate and it's pretty wild measure people's heights with the lidar you can't be bothered to get up out of your seat cross over to your kid and draw a little pencil line on the door frame but you are willing to smash into that door frame with your apple watch yeah, yeah priorities <laughs> i don't know what is i don't listen I, I know that's the old school way you do little notches on a door frame but now mm -hmm. i have screenshots of the measure app on my iphone that's the new line on a door frame okay <laughs> 
That's how you do it in 2023. Uh, Speaking of Apple Music and Apple Music Classical, there was a bug recently. There was a bunch of Reddit posts that were talking about this. And supposedly users would see other users' playlists show up in their library. I'm sure as Apple is working on Apple Music Classical and trying to do things on the back end, might be some weird playlist stuff going on. More troubling that it might have deleted some of the cloud stored individual tracks backed up to like iCloud Music Library or iTunes Match. So I've I've not experienced this. I've not seen other people's playlists. I'm going to check right now, make sure some of my individually (laughs) uploaded tracks are still available. But uh, did you see my playlist at all? Was the, did you see what I had? Well, I am shocked at your taste in music, but, you know, we all like the bangles, don't we? There's nothing wrong with that. Why did I pick the bangles of all these people? I have no idea. Yeah. I do the like things. the bangles. Anyway, uh, I do remember a long, long time ago, playlists, there was a change in a playlist. There was some track I liked, and it was swapped in my playlist for a live version of the same track. And that seemed like a database bug at the time. Oh. Uh, but I haven't seen that. I haven't seen any of this. So the examples I saw all seem to be from people that had very strange playlists. And I don't I mean the content. I mean, the names of the playlists were weird. And it looked like it, they could have been hacked. And after a while, you realize, no, just some people really can't spell when they're typing their playlists into an iPhone. I don't know. Again, I, I don't know how widespread this issue is. But mm. if you saw this, listeners, uh, reach out, let me know. But I just checked some of my uh, individually uploaded tracks and uh, I'm good to go. Now, let's talk about some lawmaking So the U.S. government is trying to keep Section 702, which is called the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA. Congress is trying to renew the law before the year's end. Big tech companies like Apple, Alphabet, and Meta are pushing back, trying to amend this law. Basically, this law could allow government agencies to demand data, like phone records, texts, and emails, from companies for national security investigations. Now, Apple has had several of these over the years where like the FBI has requested stuff and Tim Cook is like, nah, I don't have that. (laughs) Like, we're not doing that. Trying, we're not giving you iCloud data or like we can't actually get into this phone. Like we don't have the passcode obviously and and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, this is something that is ongoing over the years. I've always appreciated Apple's stance on this. And now with the advanced data protection in iCloud, if you have that enabled and all of your data is end-to-end encrypted, and not even Apple has the key. I'm not even sure if this law would affect Apple users with that turned on. Like Apple really has no way of getting that data for the government, whether that's an iMessage conversation or even photos in the photo library. All of that is protected by the advanced data protection. So I understand why everybody else like Meta and Alphabet are trying to fight back against this. They don't want the government to be able to, you know, request data and not need a warrant and all that kind of stuff. But I think, uh, you know, of all the companies, Apple's set up and their iCloud system is is pretty set. So There is precedent, though, isn't there? If Apple goes, doesn't affect us, yeah, fine. Then later the government can say, well, you agreed to this. Why haven't you agreed to that? Oh, that and is true. Things like this. That could be. So a political thing. Well, the thing that got me was that apparently that the feds admitted there had been, what was the phrase, um, compliance incidents over the use of the data. So people within the government have been misusing this information and that's shocking isn't it you don't expect that in this day and age yeah right yeah so i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens there but more interestingly i think is this impending tiktok ban mm. where the u.s because of this you know this is a chinese based app and the platform's ties to china and all that the u.s house energy and commerce committee is talking about those connections and is trying to ban tiktok from the u.s now, you know, TikTok has kind of operated, obviously not under the radar, but like their leadership, like the CEO, you don't really hear much or see much of him. 
And I was very surprised because I do open TikTok that when I opened it the other day, the CEO of TikTok, Xiao Chu, I believe, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that, but he was on there. Like the video of him was front and center on TikTok, talking to TikTok users directly, saying, listen, I'm literally in the US right now, about to testify before Congress. You know, there's over 120 million Americans on TikTok, which is like over a third of Americans are on TikTok, both using it, creating it. And he said, you know, leave comments on this video and help me convince the U.S. government basically like not to ban TikTok from the U.S. And there were actually pretty amazing comments from many U.S.-based TikTok creators. And just like one example, if you're on TikTok, you're probably familiar with him, but Keith Lee. Keith Lee is an incredible guy. He has gone from like several hundred thousand followers to over 10 million just in the last year. And he just does very simple food reviews. Like he's just sitting in a chair, like it's not high quality video. It's just him talking, him rating this food, but he's so authentic, so genuine. And now he's partnered with like Chipotle (laughs) and he's had like a bunch of massive, you know, all of his videos gets like millions of views. And there's a lot of creators on TikTok saying like, listen, this platform, namely TikTok, while its monetization scheme is not great, especially when compared to platforms like YouTube, it has given creators a platform, especially with the virality and that nature for TikTok, where like those these creators have not succeeded elsewhere. And this is the platform that has allowed them to literally change their careers and sometimes change their lives by posting on this app. Mm. And so like the privacy and security, again, like I'm not super well-versed in what this app might be doing with your information. I'm sure it's taking a lot of it. Any information you give it, it is going to take it for advertising and the algorithm and all that. But obviously a third of America is using it. People find value in it, whether it's just for humor or learning. And there were other users, just casual users of TikTok that posted videos and commented for with the CEO video. And they were like, I have learned more from this app than anywhere else in my life. Like just simple life lessons, how to invest, like money, like finance, learning a skill or a trade. Like people are learning stuff on TikTok because there really are a lot of great creators on there. And that is their main platform. I think it's wild that the CEO of TikTok is literally in the US, you know, before Congress, trying to make sure it doesn't get banned. I'm very curious to see what it does. Have I convinced you to uh, browse TikTok now uh, after that little... uh... You might actually. The learning bit did there. Um, Presumably, I'm not going to learn to dance like a okay, school child does, but there are other things. You could. Okay. You could. These, I, I uh, as well as the, the the video, which I didn't know about, the CEO posted a 5,000 word testimony. Uh, it's actually basically the speech he's going to give to Congress. And I read that yesterday. And uh, of course he's convincing because his job is to be convincing, but he makes really good points about uh, the safety of the data. Uh, he doesn't at any point say the thing that was occurring to me, which is, well, Facebook does it, Google does it, you know, uh, when nobody seems to complain enough about those. So yeah, I think a ban is, is coming. Right. I think it's inevitable, but I wonder if it's right. So, And one of the big concerns, because it's Chinese-based or there's ties to China, is if data is stored in China with the nature of the Chinese government and their overbearing practices when it comes to data, like what, how is that going to affect U.S. users and their data when it comes to the Chinese government? It said that TikTok is transitioning to Oracle, Mm -hmm. you know, currently deleting historical protected U.S. data uh, stored on non-Oracle servers stored on non-Oracle servers, and the CEO said there will be no way for the Chinese government to access U.S. user data or compel access to it. I think, again, that is one of the main concerns that maybe 
that he can address in front of the government. But I also feel like, William, I don't know if you've ever seen U.S. government makers and lawmakers like in these kinds of hearings. Yeah. But when it comes to technology and when it comes to social media, I don't want to be unkind and I'm not trying to be political, but I do feel like many of the lawmakers that are asking questions of these tech company CEOs are not well versed in the space and don't have the technical and just common user knowledge of these platforms to be able to ask good questions or to even maybe understand what they're trying to explain. Like even Tim Cook runs this, like Tim Cook will testify before Congress trying to explain certain things. And like the Congress people just don't get it. Well, when I watch these things, I'm conscious very often that yes, there's a sense of asking a question, but they're not really asking a question. They're playing for the crowd back home. Right. They're going for the the small lowest base they can, not to find answers, but to make it sound like they're standing up for the little people kind of thing. When the little people know an awful lot more than them which is shocking these are people in power who are doing such important things and it is sometimes really quite jaw-dropping what they don't know about something and you wonder uh, we have this thing in the uk um i saw this uh david cameron about 17 million prime ministers ago just before he wrecked the country with brexit was giving advice to film companies telling them things like you should only make hits for example and things like that and you listen to the detail and you suddenly thought if he's this ignorant about all these other things that I don't know about. Uh, we are in such trouble, and then we were, so... And well, and I, I just want to mention, I saw this one clip. I don't watch a lot of this, but I saw Sundar Prachai. He was testifying before Congress, and there was some congressman asking about yeah. the location and, wh- and that location service and that data. And the question was basically so general as to say, does this phone know where I am? Yeah. Like, that's the question. And, like, on the face of it, like... Okay, forget about Google and Android. Just think about that from an iPhone perspective. To answer that question, like the answer is, it depends. Yes. <laughs> you know, it, like it depends on a thousand factors. But as you try to explain it, and as this, as Sunda Prachai was trying to explain it, like the congressman was not really interested in learning about like how this actually worked. But if you were trying to answer that question from an iPhone perspective, it's like, okay, well, do you have every toggle in the location privacy services of your settings off? Is every toggle off? And if you denied every app access to your location, because if that's the case, no, it doesn't know where you are. Like you can make it. So even when you open Apple Maps, it doesn't know your location because you've restricted location to everything from your phone. So although because it's a cell phone, it's connecting to local cell towers and the cell tower can be identified. But that's not the phone's (laughs) fault. So no, no, I'm with you. I'm just uh, suddenly realized that bit. Yeah, 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 no, that's that's an excellent point, because even that like caveat. It's like that has nothing to do with Apple. That's just the carrier. And yeah, like even back on the original iPhone, there was that assisted AGPS where cellular towers could like semi-triangulate where you are in a certain area. So, okay, yeah, if you're, you know, turn off cellular data, like disconnected from your carrier, all toggles are off. You can use our phone with the stock platform that it ships with and it doesn't know your location. But if you enable anything like frequent locations in the iOS privacy settings, Yeah, your iPhone periodically pings your location so it knows like, okay, you're often at this place or you often travel to this location like work at this time of day. So we're going to suggest something at that time of day regularly, like get directions to work. And it's all trade-offs, but also like what is that data done with on the backside? And when you look at Apple, like 
the data is private and all that location data is tied to your iCloud account, but that's end-to-end -end encrypted. You can have advanced data protection. Like there's so many caveats and bullet points like underneath any answer. Any of those kinds of congressional hearings, I feel like don't really go anywhere. Now, listen, I, I know hopefully this was not politically biased in any way. Like I just wanted to talk about this whole like situation as far as U.S. government and lawmakers and their understandings of technology. Uh, but if uh, you are offended by this political discussion, then please vote William Gallagher for president <laughs> in 2024 for the United States of America. Right. Anyway, who would be my running mate? I was hoping for me, but that's okay. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Guys, I love ZocDoc. I have literally used it to book appointments for myself. I did an annual physical recently, and I was able to find a local doctor that's highly reviewed by other patient reviews. I was able to book the appointment online, didn't have to call at all. And because I put my insurance information in the ZocDoc app, I was able to go with confidence knowing they accepted my insurance. So don't browse social media and try to figure out what the, your symptoms mean and try to diagnose yourself. That never ends well. You know what I mean. Instead, use ZocDoc, which is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors that are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. And no more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. And I really enjoy the doctors that I met. I'm going to be keep going back to them and booking my appointments through the free ZocDoc app. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. They even have telehealth appointments, and there are many appointments available in the next 24 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider to download the free app today. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Collide. And they have big news. If you're an Okta user, if you're an Okta user, I really want to know. <laughs> Reach out, tweet or message on me. Let me know if you're an Okta user because Collide can help get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How do they do it? Well, if a device isn't compliant, the user can't log in to the cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, which is device compliance. Without Collide, IT can struggle to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date, unsecured devices, or logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. And if they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and more importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash Apple Insider to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider. And those links are in the show notes. You can just click them there. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. I want to talk about AI stuff very briefly. I feel like there's a bit of AI fatigue. I feel like you can't look at the internet without seeing AI and artificial intelligence just yeah. plastered everywhere. But it's it's a thing. Like, it's blowing up. And so Google launched Bard, which is their AI chat service. So you can chat with Google Bard. And it is much less useful uh, than ChatGPT, apparently. I've just seen a few tests. I know Wes Hilliard uh, had some, you know, tweeted some responses, like it didn't get just basic measurements right. But anyway, Google Bard is a thing. You can try that. Microsoft is doing artificial intelligence image generation in Bing. And so Microsoft, you know, and they're all in on the open AI stuff and they're adding it to Microsoft Office, yada, yada. And then Adobe launched Firefly, or at least announced Firefly, 
And they will also have an AI image generation service called Firefly. And they are protecting artists and creators in some way as to not like plagiarize their work or not straight up steal artist artwork and other things. So, you know, all these tools are out there. I feel like the next couple of years, it's going to be a bit of a messy process trying to figure all this out and seeing like what are the most useful cases for it and images is that pulling, you know, it's obviously pulling an aggregate from like images you just find on the internet. So I don't know how that works. And I'm, you know, maybe we can get some kind of AI expert on the show and I can interview them and maybe find out more about this, but it's everywhere, William. Uh, have, do you have AI fatigue? I've only tried it a bit. So yes. Uh, did you hear about Alan Alder and Chat GPT? Do you know this story? No. Alan, no, Alan Alder, writer, producer, actor. Uh, he got Chat GPT to write a scene from uh, uh, for MASH and got his old uh, Mike Farrell, uh, BJ Honeycutt, co-star from MASH back. They performed a scene, a first scene of MASH written in 40 years and it was atrocious and it was fascinatingly bad as Chat GPT mm. tried to be funny. And it's like we all know somebody who isn't funny and thinks they are. That was it here. It was, you know, messy and depressing. It, it is very widely variant how good AI is at certain things. Some things it's amazing at. They were a sponsor the last couple of weeks, but Notion AI, I've used that and just played around with like, give me a podcast title, give me a podcast description. And I've used it a couple of times. I will edit it. I don't just straight up copy and paste it. I'll edit it before actually using it. It's pretty useful for that. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, it, it is good. I did try to ask it to write me a social media bio. Because I wasn't, I'm never happy with my social media bio. I don't know, but maybe we could talk about that next. <laughs> but I was trying to see like how AI would write me a bio, just like a short one sentence. Here's what I do. Write me something funny. It was bad. Like every AI service I tried, it, they were not good. They sounded really weird and just, it, it could not do it. So we still have a ways to go when it comes to AI. Can we really blame them though? I mean, look to the source. Oh, I don't. I'm well, not you're judging. You're, you're just saying there's. This is revenge. You're saying there's not good source material. Basically, yes. Oh, I see. Purely in vengeance for your interested. your cracks about my twerking uh, videos and things. This is it, right back in your face. No, yeah. no. This is because I don't have a Wikipedia page, and you do. That's the difference. <laughs> okay. You have a Wikipedia page that all these. AIs can pull from, right. and, I, and I do not. At first, I just wanted to know, like, does AI know who I am? And so I asked it, write me a bio for the video and podcast creator, Stephen Robles. And it started out, and it said, Stephen Robles is a video podcast creator, yada, yada, based in California, Stephen, blah, 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 and it was not me. Oh. Whatever Stephen Robles had thought I was writing about, it was not me. So I was like, well. That you, you asked for affirmation, and you didn't get it? That's Terrible. I just wanted a bio. I just wanted a social media bio and it would not write one for me. No, no, no. You just said, you just admitted, I want to see if it knew who I was. That's it. And it didn't. Yeah, well, okay. This is because I, I'm telling you, it's because of the Wikipedia page. Now I'm going to read your uh, Twitter bio here. See, you you have like the biggest flex right here, right? At the top of your social media bio, you say, Deputy Chav, the Writers Guild of Great Britain. Even so, our views expressed on mine and most of them continue to be quite of daft anyway. Right. That was my Pretty 100% sure it wasn't typed in that accent, but... <laughs> and I slaved over that last joke, and you just muttered it out of the way, but no, no. I was trying to to mutter it as uh, someone might do in the in Great Britain, you know? Don't you kind of, like, mutter the last lines? No. It's, that's uh, British humor, isn't it? No. No? 
No, it isn't. I'm not helping you here. No. <laughs> okay, okay. But I mean, Deputy Chair of the Writers Guild of Great Britain. Unfortunately, it can't last. There are fixed term limits for that. There comes a point where I have to stand again in a couple of months' time, and hopefully I'll get through, but then there's only about two more goes after that, and I have to leave being Deputy Chair, and I'm already not looking forward to it. Oh. These are really interesting times for writers, but actually in part because of AI and stuff. I mean, also so many other pressures here in the in the UK on writers. And it's just a fascinating time to be involved with an organisation that's working so hard to protect us all. I also say, searching Wikipedia for William Gallagher, William Gallagher, the politician, born in 1875. Is that you? Oh, is that Willie Gallagher from the Gorbals? Because I, I genuinely have been mixed up with him before. <laughs> I don't know what the Gorbals are, but sure. It's a, it's a area. Okay. Oh, no. He, he's from Minnesota. <laughs> oh, right, right. No, we this, don't talk. This is William Gallagher's yeah. from Minnesota. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. And then William J. Gallagher, who was a colonel, president of Riverside Military Academy in Gainesville, Georgia. Do you have to have name? a middle initial to be in the U.S. military? Oh, that's a good question. I think I'm starting to think you do. William J. Gallagher. Yeah, yeah. Sounds so much more military than William Gallagher. So, you know. Do you have a, do you have a middle initial? Uh, not exactly. It's complicated. Oh, that's mysterious. No, it's not William complicated Gallagher. Uh, <laughs> W.C. Gallagher. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to finish this story now. I've just realized. Um, no, no, please, please. What, I mean, if you're going to reveal the initial, I would love to hear it. But you, know, you don't have to. No pressure. I am a recovering Catholic. And as part of Catholic Roman Catholicism in the UK, I presume everywhere else, you get a thing called a confirmation name. And I have one for that. Uh, I never use it. It's not a legitimate oh. part of my name on legal documents or whatever. But it does give rise to issues. Um, WG, with this, my initials, with this letter in the middle, does form a word. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Okay. 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 You've only got 26 options, to be fair. <laughs> so. I already censor beeped uh, like four things in this episode. So, yeah. Okay. All right. No, won't, won't do You're it. You're right. Won't There's a it. limit, isn't there? Okay. I do want to have a moment of a silence, maybe, for the DP Review website. I don't know if you saw this, but mm. DP Review has been a camera and video gear website for many years. I think it started in over 25 years, it says. It was acquired by Amazon a long time ago for whatever reason. I don't even know why. But this was a resource that many people on the internet have used going here for gear and reviews and such. And it is closing. Amazon is shutting it down amidst a bunch of layoffs. Amazon's laying off like thousands of people. But dpreview.com is closing April 10th. And it seems like Amazon is not even going to keep the content around. It's not only letting the staff go and the website won't be updated. Like it's just going away. Like Amazon is just going to take it offline and you won't even be able to access all the content that has been created over the last 25 years. Goodness. Team at DP Review has said they're going to continue like on YouTube and such, obviously under a different name. But this is kind of unfortunate. And for Amazon, like they have their own cloud storage service. Like AWS is a thing. I I don't know how expensive it would be to keep dpreview.com at least live. So like people could still visit it and access the information that's there because I imagine for at least the next couple of years, it would be applicable. Like they've reviewed modern cameras and lenses all the way up till right now, but they're just like totally taking it down April 10th. And so it's kind of sad. This is a job for the Inset Archive, the Wayback Machine. They should rush yes. into that. Yes. I didn't appreciate that the whole body was going. I, I knew about the closure, which is bad enough, but uh, that that's very wasteful isn't it all that work it is it it is it is unfortunate so you could still active right now you have until april 10th you can see it and 
again, they have like great reviews, like the Sony A7R5 camera. There's a review on there from DP Reviews. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I don't know if it's a trend or what this will look like in the years to come, but these kind of longstanding publications that are more blog based, like DP Review obviously has a lot of videos. And that's kind of, you know, where you would need to go in today's world. Like it's doing both, like it's writing stuff, it's doing videos, but I'm curious the, like the long-term trajectory of these kinds of, you know, very, not very, but these niche or unique use cases like websites. I feel like if it was independent, it would probably still be going. Uh, the last thing I want to say, I get this, uh, we, I got this weird urge the other night, William, uh, it has nothing to do with the words I bleeped out Wait, before. Are you pregnant? You can tell us now. No, no, okay. no, no, no. I got the urge to move my entire email structure for my personal email to another service. And uh, I did it. I did it actually last night as we record. I started the process at like 10 p.m. I finished at like midnight and I was just like, I just want to do it. And so I just did it. I don't know if if you're like that, William, but sometimes I just kind of get like that itch to say, I want to move my entire task workflow or move to this other calendar application. So I'm going to set, you know, just do it right now in the middle of the night. Well, Actually, this week I did. I mean, I have a 58 Keys podcast, a oh. video YouTube channel. And for months now, I've been looking at doing a Patreon version. And about seven days ago, I just thought, no, this is it. You've researched this too much. Just do it or don't. So I did it. And um, nice. uh, lots more still to do. But it's, you know, you feel like, yeah, suddenly you've got the burn to get it done and sorted. Exactly. And sometimes that's just what you need to push something over the edge, get it working. That's exactly right. And that's what I did. And what made it a daunting task is, and I know this is the case, I have way too many domain names and I have lots of email addresses that I've created at all those domain names over the years. They all go to the same place, but for whatever reason, like I just have a ton. And so I had to change the MX records for like, it was probably seven to 10 different domains for all the aliases. (laughs) I left a couple out because I'm like, I don't think I get, I don't think anyone's sending me email here. So I'm just going to leave it away, leave it out. But I did it all. I was on Google Workplace and I've been using Google Workplace just personally for the last several years. And Google Workplace is good. You know, you get drive, you get all that access, but like you can't change the default domain for your Google Workplace account without a long rigmarole process of like moving it to another Google Workplace and assigning whatever. So I was like, if I'm gonna have to go through a long process to change the default email address that I'm using for this account, then I'm just gonna move. Like, I just wanna go somewhere else. I had used Fastmail years ago. I hear the ATP guys talk about it all the time. For my needs now, Fastmail does everything I want. It's cheaper than Google Workplace. Sorry, ATP? Yeah. Uh, alcohol, tobacco, and um, no, firearms. No, 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 no. This I'm going to have to put like a TVM rating on this podcast episode. No, the Accidental Tech Podcast. Oh, right, right, right. The guys, right, uh, Marco Armand, okay. yes. Casey Liz, yeah. yeah. They all use Fastmail, except for Syracuse. I mean, I think he's still all on the Google train. But I was like, I think I'm going to do it. A lot of people suggested, oh, just go to iCloud email. They don't support enough domains <laughs> for me to use iCloud email. And it's just, it's still a little wonky in a couple of areas. But Fastmail... And also moving all my email content, I was afraid, like, can I import all the email? Mm. Also the email filters, because I've set up lots of filters over the years, and I wasn't sure how that was going to work. And I have to say, they are not a sponsor, although maybe they should be, but switching to Fastmail was such a seamless process. I imported all of my email. It finished this morning. It got everything, got all my folders, calendars, contacts, everything from my Google Workplace account. It also 
I didn't realize you can export your Gmail filters in this like file format and Fastmail can import those filters and rules that I've set up over the years. So Fastmail has all my rules now. I was able you know, all my email rules, which I've mentioned this before, the best email filtering hack, create a filter in whatever email service you use and say, if the body of an email has the word unsubscribe <laughs> in the body text, filter that directly away into a folder, skip the inbox, skip the inbox, and that will clear up like 90% of the emails that hit your inbox. Right. I promise you, it is amazing. iCloud Mail doesn't let you set up that kind of filter. I don't know why iCloud email doesn't let you set up a filter where the body includes this text. You can only do like subject and from and to email addresses. So that's really annoying. It's a great, great tip. Note to self, don't use the word unsubscribe in my evil mass mailing. Say desubscribe <laughs> or something like that and I'll get through more. Noted, thanks. Okay. Listen, listen, there's a lot of like slimy emails. They'll, they'll, instead of saying unsubscribe, they'll say manage email preferences or manage preferences. Yeah, hey, I work hard to create slimy emails that bother everybody. Or <laughs> I've created filters for all of those, William. Your email could say manage email filters. It could say, uh, you know, fill out a survey for preferences. <laughs> all of those weird phrases that I've seen in all the junk mails. It all goes to a folder, but I do check that folder periodically. I'll scroll through it just to make sure I don't miss anything important. And again, I really don't. It's an amazing filter. Highly recommend. But switching it all over, I changed all the Amex records for my domains and Fastmail is up and running and like I'm using it. It is a little more cumbersome to set up on your Apple devices. It is an IMAP email. So, you know, with Google, you can just like sign into your Google account. It connects everything quickly. Fastmail, you do have to set it up as IMAP. It's a little more cumbersome, but once it's set up, you're good to go. And uh, it's great. I moved it all to Fastmail last night in a couple hours, and uh, I highly recommend. So, did you were you able to sort of parallel run for a while, or were you off email while this was going on? As much of a redundancy nerd as I am with things like recording a podcast, yeah, I am not when it comes to like probably more important things like my email. So I totally just I moved all my MX records over to Fastmail. I you know, ditched Gmail immediately as soon as all my email was ported over and I'm all in on Fastmail like 12 hours later. So there is no parallel running anything and I'm getting email. I mean, it's coming to my Fastmail, all the MX records, you know, it'll verify everything for you. And so, yeah, that's what I did. William. But you didn't get the one from me asking for money and saying, if you disenjoyerize this email, you click here, that kind of... Let me check my newsletter folder where all my spam goes. Uh, just send me the cash anyway. It's fine. No, just save yourself some, okay, some yeah, time just, there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was great. Moving from Google Workplace to Fastmail works really well. You, I paid for a year, which is 50 bucks. So you can get it even cheaper if you pay for a year. Oh. And uh, it's great. Yeah. So I don't use Google anymore for my personal email. But you have been on it for fewer than 24 hours. So you should probably give it at least 30 hours before you decide that it's definitely better. Yeah, pr probably should. Probably should. But Okay, actually, how about we we'll say this. You've got 48 hours, kid, and then we're having your badge and your gun and your email account. Yeah, that's what we'll do. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it. That, but that was my experience. It was really great. So anyway, listeners, if you have any questions about that, thoughts on anything we talked about in this episode, you can tweet or Mastodon William and myself. Those links are in the show notes as well as everything we talked about. And uh, to hear the ad-free and uncensored version of this podcast, you can support us at patreon.com slash Apple Insider or directly in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.